The Bread and Butter podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mainjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. Did I say good? Just to get you into it one more time. Maybe just in case. Okay. Go. Bread and Better podcast. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I am. <clears throat> Bread and Better Podcast. Hi, I'm Tegan. Professionally, I'm a qualified personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and chef with an online lifestyle coaching biz called Fitty Tigs. This career suits me to a T because I am passionate about movement, food, and helping others feel confident and comfortable in their own bodies. And I'm Alex. I'm a producer, a mum of three, and a freelance feature writer. I love to write about all of the issues that affect women, whether they be health, career, parenting, or otherwise. Welcome to the Bread and Better podcast, where we want to talk all things women's holistic health and the issues that affect women of our generation. So this week's topic is a bit of a pivot from the health and wellness stuff we've done so far this season, but it's something that is incredibly important and that I will put my hand up and admit that I am unknowledgeable about but very willing to learn. Today, we are going to be talking about feminism, something that Alex has studied and is very passionate about. I am incredibly conscious about coming off as ignorant in this ep, but I do want to be very authentic. And I'm sure if I don't know much about this, then there'll be others out there that can relate. So keeping that in mind, I haven't curated my questions at all to sound less naive than I really am. Uh, There's been two events that have brought this to the front of mind for me recently. The Barbie movie, which I saw with some friends, and the success of the Matildas, the Aussie football team, the female team. I have never watched a football game in my life, but I was so excited about seeing and following the success of the girls, uh, which also made me feel guilty that I go to as many men's AFL games as I possibly can, but I've only ever seen the girls play once. (laughs) Yes, feminism is something I am super passionate about. Not that you guys can see me right now, but I literally have a Rosie the Riveter tattoo on my forearm. Uh, And I'm very excited to delve into this topic with you today. But first, let's start the week the way we always do by discussing the favorite thing we ate this week. Uh, So I have been trying out some new recipes this week to share on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was going for a spaghetti bolognese that tastes like a lasagna. Yeah. So like a creamy, cheesy spaghetti bolognese, because some people find lasagna a little bit laborsome to put together or a bechamel sauce quite tricky to make. Mm -hmm. So I made a spaghetti bolognese and it was essentially just the secret ingredient was throwing in half a block of cream cheese at the end. Yeah. And it came out so well. And I said to Rhett when I gave it to him for dinner, this is spaghetti bolognese that tastes like lasagna. Yeah. And he said, I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Because he is a very big fan of my food, but also he'll tell me if he thinks that I've missed the mark. Um, And he was eating it and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this really does. And then when I was having it again the next day, I was like, this is awesome and I can't wait to share this recipe. So that was it. I made it myself. 
It's on my Instagram if you want to go and find the real yeah. spaghetti bolognese, but make it taste like lasagna. Well, I'm going to try this on the weekend because you can get vegan cream cheese. So yeah. I could totally make that for myself. It'd be delicious. Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm so excited. The kids will love that too. Yeah, it was really good. I was really stoked with myself. So simple. Yeah, well done. Okay, um, so I'm very excited to share with you the best thing I ate this week. It was something I made myself as well. So it was a vegan, gluten-free burger. I don't know if you need to say vegan and gluten-free going forward. I think people just assume... But if it's the first time listening. Yeah, true. That's yeah, true. Then they might. It's a good plug for food being delicious Yeah, when you have allergies. Allergies. Yeah. yeah. And it's good to find new recipes because I find a lot of the time that I struggle for new ideas and then I'll see someone on Instagram cook something and I'm like, yes. But um, yeah, this burger is delicious. So I get the patties from Coles. They're called Beyond Burgers and they're like a decent size. And then, yeah, I use the vegan cheddar cheese and the vegan mayo that was going on about last week and like pickles and these amazing gluten-free brioche buns. It's delicious. Like you would not be able to tell that it's gluten-free and vegan. And Kev loves it too. And I'll share my secret as to why it tastes so good. What's the secret? So um, don't hate me vegans. I'm not vegan. I can't tolerate red meat though. So that's why I eat the vegan burgers. And I'm allergic to dairy. So... That's why I eat a lot of vegan food. But my trick is for anyone out there who also can't have red meat, I cook my vegan burger patties in the same pan that I cook the kids' and Kev's meat patties. So it soaks up all the meat juice. So it absorbs the flavours. Yeah, and it's delicious. I mean, I've done it without it as well and it's still good, but it's like next level. Do you know what you could do to make that burger really, really good? Yeah. Because you're not a vegan and it doesn't need to be a whole vegan meal. And last week you told us that bacon was gluten-free. You could cook bacon in the same pan and you could put the bacon on the burger. Oh, my God. I'm going to do that. Get back to us. Yes. And pineapple too, maybe. Oh, pineapple on everything. Yeah. And I actually saw Gordon Ramsay do something cool on Next Level Chef, which is like our favorite show at the moment. He So when I cook my burger patties, I melt the cheese on top of it just before I take them off. Like yeah, I'll put the cheese I on the pan. I did that too. Yeah, but he put the cheese on on the pan and then flipped the burger onto the cheese and like smooshed it all around. And then you get that crispy cheese. Yes. I don't know if I really like that crispy cheese. Mm, it just I like it melty. So I know that people like keto people make like wraps out of crunchy cheese. Oh, I love crunchy cheese. Like when I make a quesadilla. It just kind of tastes like burning. No, oh, see, I love like a caramelized taste. When I make a quesadilla, I squish it so that the cheese melts out of it and you get a crispy edge. I'd like break that bit off and put it in the bin. No. I worked so hard to get that bit. That's so funny. Cut out the wrap and just go straight for the crispy cheese. Use that. I'm going to look that up. I'll send you a reel next time I see it. Yeah, do it. So let's kick this off on the most basic level, literally feminism for dummies. And I am the dummy here. Let's also assume that others don't know much about it at all and really start from the start. So what is the basic definition of feminism? Okay, so the basic dictionary definition of feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. So advocating for women for equality between men and women. Yes. Yep. Got it. Easy. Yeah. So I think after watching the Barbie movie and watching it with some of our friends that are quite into feminism and they loved it. I wasn't sure if I loved it. I could appreciate it, 
But I guess the biggest question that I had coming out of it was, should I be a feminist just because I am a woman? I think that you should 100% be a feminist just because you're a woman. I think that everyone should be a feminist. Uh, So essentially, if you believe that all genders deserve equal rights, then yes, you should be a feminist. So my next question was, what is the patriarchy? Um, I've heard the term thrown around, but to be honest, I'm not sure that I do fully understand it. And I think sometimes I confuse it with the monarchy. I think that's so fair. And actually, I told Kev that this morning and he was like, I could so see how you would get that confused. Um, I, just, I, I think that the first time I heard those terms, I thought they were related. Yeah. Which well, they're not. Essentially, no, they're not the same thing, but I can see why you would get them confused. Okay. So the patriarchy is a social system that favors men and oppresses women. Uh, and because of the patriarchy, we have sexism and then sexism leads to further discrimination and oppression. So when you say oppression, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So oppression is like being held back. So the men are elevated and the women are pushed yes, down. Yes. That's it. So it's like a bit of an abuse of power. Yep. So just so that we're getting all the terms sort of defined and people can follow the conversation really clearly if they are uneducated like myself, can you explain sexism Yep. a bit better? Sure. So sexism is prejudice, stereotyping or discrimination against women based on their sex. And there's so many examples of sexism and we'll get to some of those soon, but a really good one that was in the media at the time that we're recording this week. Did you see the open letter that the Australian rugby union team, the Wallaroos? No. Okay. So the team got together and released a joint statement on social media. So across all of their socials, they posted this open letter. Is this the female team or the men's team? The the female female team. team. Yeah. So the Wallaroos. So essentially, the letter was outlining the ways that they're treated differently to the men's team. So amongst the grievances, they stated, you told us flying anything beyond economy was too costly, but then you flew the Wallabies business class on a trip that was shorter than ours. So the Wallabies are the men's team. Yep. Um, You continually say we don't have enough resources and yet we all saw the World Cup send off uh, for the Wallabies. So this all started because, yeah, they've said that they don't have enough money to put into their team. However, for the Wallabies, so the male team, for their send off, they flew all of their wives and girlfriends to Sydney just to say goodbye to them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they flew them to say goodbye to the men. When they went away to play. Yeah, when they were At the start of the season. So it wasn't like a reward for them. Those funds were allocated to that. Yeah. And yet they wouldn't fly the girls. Yeah, to a game. Yeah. Wow. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, they fly them economy, they fly them in business class. And then, and then they fly in their partners and families for the men. Just literally just to say goodbye. Say goodbye at home. Say goodbye, Use right. the money for the girls. Yeah. Yes. So they've told them that they don't have the resources and the finances and they've constantly promised them that they would be put on full-time contracts but, you know, there isn't enough money to do that. And they've said that there's not enough money to keep the men in the game, let alone them. Those are the words I used. Wow. Yeah. Like, let alone them, because the men are so much more important. Yeah, wow. Yes. So I'll pop a link to that letter. They need a better accountant. Yeah, right. Let me do the budget. 
yeah, yeah, you could um, definitely shuffle around some of the funds so that they get some more equal opportunities. And I do understand, and this has probably come up with the Matildas, I do understand that sport is entertainment and there does need to be ratings in order for there to be money to be spent. But I think that the way that the Matildas were marketed and their success and the ratings that come out of that show Mm -hmm. that if, you know, it was advertised more and they got paid more that, you know, women's sport really could be this huge thing that could get all these ratings. But like you said, it's just pushed down for the men. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully what we saw with the women's like FIFA World Cup changes everything for women's sport. Yeah. But yeah, I'll pop a link to that letter in our show notes because it is really interesting. As we've said, this is something that we frequently see in women's sport across the board, which is such a shame. But anyway, this is where feminism comes into play because feminism aims to end sexism and oppression and achieve gender equality. Awesome. Yeah. That was really good. No, that was really insightful. And that's kind of something that I have been talking about a little bit with Rhett. Like my partner is very into watching sport and he does watch a lot of female sport as well. He watches the women's NRL quite often. And we were kind of talking about that thing with the ratings. And, you know, he was saying if we paid the women more, then more women would be interested in like following that as a potential career path. Yeah, they might be super, super talented women out there that would love to go and play sport at that high level, but they have to support their families. And yeah, like you can't just choose it as a career option if it's not a viable income. Yeah. So I was having a conversation with our mutual friend, Fraz, who was one of the girls that I went to see the Barbie movie with about recording this episode. And I do love that. I do feel confident to speak freely and just say whatever's coming into my mind without fear of judgment with our friends. And again, reiterating that I was very uneducated going into talking about this topic. I commented to her that maybe I wasn't a feminist because I was just not that angry about anything really. Um, She addressed it really well and just brought up to me that it is like media that's portraying feminists as being largely quite angry. However, not all feminists are angry. Do you want to talk about this? Yes, I do. (laughs) I'm very keen to talk about this. So Fraz hit the nail on the head there. A lot of feminists are perceived as angry in the media and we're not angry all the time. And I'm sure that there's feminists out there who aren't angry. But from my own point of view, uh, there is an element of anger behind it, anger and disappointment. There's a lot to be angry about. So Fraz was saying that that is part of it as well. Like if women are passionate, we're labelled as angry and emotional. Yes. Whereas if men are passionate, like they're really passionate about their cause and they're really forceful and they're forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, that's so true. And that's an example of sexism. But yeah, we are portrayed as these hysterical, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, portrayed as these hysterical, super angry women. I mean, if you look at some examples, you know, Kat from 10 Things I Hate About You. Yep. Yeah. Angry feminist right there. Yes. Yes. So there's definitely angry feminists and I guess there's times that all feminists will be angry about things and then, you know, there's other times where you have to keep you cool to get your point across. But I mean, from my own point of view, there's definitely a lot to be angry and disappointed about. And I think when you are a feminist and you feel passionate about the cause, then you probably do look for more. Like once your eyes are open, you'll start to notice more. 
Yeah, now I'm already like, I'm a little bit pissed off. Yeah, yeah. So even researching this, I've found some new data that I wasn't aware of and reading it last night, I'm like reading it out to Kevin. I was getting real angry and he was as well. So I'm going to share these stats with you and we'll just see how they make you feel and how they make our listeners feel when I read them. So these statistics are from the 2023 Australian Government Status of Women report card. So I'm just going to read a few because obviously the report's really long and I'll pop a link to it in our show notes. It's really interesting. Okay, so the first one, a gender pay gap emerges immediately after graduation. So full-time starting salaries for women average 67000 while salaries for men average 69000 straight off the bat. So you already get $2,000 more straight off the bat just because you're a man. Yep, that is the latest statistic. So the next one, women approaching retirement have 23.1% less superannuation than men of the same age. So we're screwed from the get-go and then we're screwed at the end as well. But that would be affected by having time off for childbirth. Yeah. So do we think that having more men's, I know that this is another men's right, but having men's paid paternity leave would actually help women get back to work sooner, yeah. which actually might be a positive thing for feminism? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, when Kev had paternity leave with our kids here and they got two weeks, I know that that does differ. Some workplaces are bringing in like a yeah. longer so that then you, I know that a girl that I knew, she had six months off and then her partner had six months off and a large chunk of that was paid by the company that he was working yeah. for. And I just thought that that was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's definitely some companies that are much better at it than others. The government needs to catch up for sure because you can either be paid by your company or by the government because a lot of companies don't even offer it at all. And that would share the load of like the domestic duties and child rearing as well, which would be awesome for equality. Yep. Not yep, to be absolutely. like, you you gave birth to this child, so you need to stay home and look after it. And that's your responsibility. Yep. And you're going to have less super where it's going to be like, you know what, let's do a halfy-halfy yeah. and end up in the same place, yep. which I think would be awesome. So the third one, one in two women have experienced sexual harassment in their lifetime. I think that that's got to be way higher. Okay, so I, that's exactly what I was about to say. That's, I reckon it'd have to be not almost 100%. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that Unless one in you grew two, up in a nunnery and there was no, <laughs> no men around. Um, I think that that one to two is obviously just people who have reported it in the survey or, you know, to HR or whatever. I did an article a few years ago about sexual harassment in the workplace and I put a call out on my social media to anyone who would like to share their stories and I would say 50 people replied from my social media, 50 women replied sharing their stories. We should do a poll on the um, Instagram and say just vote yes or no Yeah, if you've experienced sexual harassment yeah. as I, a woman. Yeah, I can't think of a single person who hasn't experienced it my article. No way. Like think about like even like catcalling yeah. and things like that. That's, that's sexual harassment. It yeah. would have to be 100%. Yeah. And my article focused on the workplace. And I think that that's a huge issue. My one happened and I'm happy to share this. And I did discuss it with Kevin. I was like, what if the person hears it? And he's like, who cares? Sorry, you're getting called out for your sexual harassment. Like, obviously I'm not going to say their name, but I worked. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> I worked in an office and I was really young. I was 22 and everyone had gone home for the day except for me and my boss. And obviously I'm really into music and something we all used to do was kind of going to his office and watch music videos and listen to music and stuff. 
And one afternoon, yeah, when everyone went home, he called me into his office and like shut the door and I sat down and he was like, oh, I've got a music video to show you. And I was like, okay, cool. And it was, do you know Ramstein? Yeah. So it was essentially porn and he played it and I felt so uncomfortable. And then when it ended, he goes, is your seat wet now? Oh God, that's disgusting. Yeah. And he was like in his late forties and I just was so, I felt so uncomfortable. I was just like, oh, haha, I hate that kind of music. And then I just like got up and went back to my desk. Yeah, I like nothing really pops into my mind. There's only one situation that pops into my mind where like an old man said something really inappropriate to me at my hospitality job. Yeah. But I can think of like multiple, multiple scenarios where men that were older than me or in a position maybe slightly more powerful than mine has made me feel uncomfortable Yeah, in a sexual sense. Yeah. Oh, it's I could think of so many. And like Kevin and I were just thinking of some last night, just in general, not even in the workplace. But I was at a music festival once. I was sober. Not that that makes any difference. But I was at a music festival. I was waiting in line to get a Red Bull and a guy bit me on the shoulder. And I turned around and I was like, what the, he broke skin. Oh my God. Yeah. And I turned around and he was off his face and he goes, you looked biteable. Anyway, there's a lot. I'm sure that, I'm sure that there's a multitude of women listening to this that have so many experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. There would be totally. It's not probably something that I give a lot of thought to. Yeah. Um, and that's just probably me trying to focus on positives, but I could, and I will say that I'm, it's not affecting me. Yeah. But I can see how these situations could definitely have really long lasting consequences. Oh, totally. Yeah. Just feeling uncomfortable and. Yeah. I feel a bit yucky. Yeah. You should thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the next one is probably one of the biggest ones and it's something that's in the media all the time, which is incredibly sad. So one woman is killed by an intimate partner every 10 days in Australia. Rhett knew the girl that just passed away in Rocky. Oh. That's in the news. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. And I was reading the article about it. Yeah. So I live in Camp Hill and Hannah Clark's parents live a few houses away from me. And I was driving the kids to school and we like saw the car like on fire. Oh my God. And heard the bang. And Oscar was like, why is that car on fire? And I said, oh, it's probably just the engine blew up or something. Don't stress. And they were in the car. Yeah. So very close to home. So the next one, police reports of sexual harassment has increased 33% for women in the last five years. Well, that's probably, mm, I'm on the fence. That could be a positive thing in that we feel more comfortable reporting it and there's more um, awareness around it, or that could be an incredibly negative thing because it means it's happening a lot more often. Yeah, so it's probably uh, it's probably a bit of both, mm. and you'll see why in the next uh, lot of facts. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know about you or about the people listening, but are you starting to feel angry now? Yeah. Yeah. So um, these are the things that make me really disappointed. Australia is ranked 43rd for gender equality internationally, which is pathetic. That is pretty pathetic when we're one of the really developed countries. Yeah, 43rd. So compared to the global average, more Australian men believe that gender inequality doesn't really exist. They're just like, no, we're equal. What do you mean? 43, Um, buddies. 43. Yeah. So in that in, in that statistic, America is better than us. Wow. 
Yep. Like more men in America believe that gender inequality exists than they do in Australia. Is that because of Trump though? Like they can see that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe their eyes have been opened to it a bit more. Okay. So 28% of Australian men believe that women often make up exaggerated claims of abuse and rape. And nearly a third of young men believe that a lot of the time women who say they were raped had led the man on and then had regrets, which is disgusting. A third. No comment. Yep. Who are these blokes? It's so disappointing that there's young guys think this. Okay. And so the last one. How um, entitled are they that they think that they're just entitled to have sex with anyone? And if they, if women were raped, that they probably regretted it. Like that's the whole, she was asking for it. She was wearing a short skirt. She was drunk. Have you seen that funny reel? I'll have to find it about she was asking for it. Oh yeah, no. Because of what she was wearing. Yeah. So it was, oh, a, it was a reel and it was like, um, what other things can we ask for if we were asking for it? Yeah. And this girl goes into work in like her like holiday clothes and she's like, well, look at what I'm wearing. I'm asking for a holiday. <laughs> and she's like, what else can we ask for? Yeah, that's good. Let's put if that on we the Insta. we're asking for it. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole, we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. Okay. And the last one of young men aged 16 to 24 years, 22% believe that men should take control in relationships and 36% believe that that's the way women want it. They genuinely believe that we want them to be in control of our relationships. Like I'm really hoping that because they're so young, they've not been in a relationship at all. Yeah. <laughs> so they've not had the conversation with any woman. I would love to know what they think they're taking control of. Yeah. Like what fucking video game you play tonight? <laughs> grow up. I know. I don't Absolutely know if they're like. grow up. Like whether you get KFC or McDonald's for your date night. Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. It's gross. I oh. actually heard um, on the kick pod yeah. that they were talking about inequality in domestic chores. Oh, yeah. And they were saying that when men and women go into a domestic partnership that women actually gain about seven hours per week of domestic work yeah. and men lose an hour. That's insane. So literally you shack up yeah. with your new girlfriend, you move in together and you put your feet up and let her do your washing but the woman now has seven hours more. Oh, my God. I actually read a statistic the other day and I'll put this in the show notes as well, but apparently according to this report, if men and women are both given 10 extra hours of work a week, the men still can find the same time to work out, but women, their ability to work out decreases significantly because they still have to look after the kids and take care of all of the other things and, and try and find time to squeeze all of this extra stuff in, whereas the men are just not affected. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And um, I'll often hear partners say things like, oh, I've done this for you. Oh, I just hung up the washing for you. Or, oh, I'll wash up for you. It's like, no, dude, this is your fucking house. What about when um, men say that they've got a babysit? Yeah, yeah, that's my biggest pet peeve. You're just parenting. You're just parenting. Your children. Yeah, looking after the children that you have. (laughs) 
I think sometimes it is just thrown around as a term, but yeah. when I hear that, I just kind of get a, like a little bit of a twitch and I don't even have kids. <laughs> See, because you're angry. <laughs> a little bit angry. A bit angry. Yeah. So that kind of, I don't know, obviously, yeah, not all feminists are angry, but just being aware of all of that definitely makes you feel angry and fuels the fire to want to advocate mm. more for equal rights. And that's the thing that I'm realizing now in that I could just put my head in the sand and be like, I don't want to be angry about these issues because I like to live a positive life. But if we're not angry and passionate, then nothing changes. Yeah, 100%. So I also commented in that conversation that I was having with our mutual friend Fraz that I felt maybe I hadn't been affected largely by gender inequality in my professional life. Okay. Yes. So you did mention that to me last week. So I've gone and done a little bit of research about your industry, the fitness industry. So there's a 2022 Fitness Alliance Global Survey that shows women have made strides in your industry. So that's right. There's been a big improvement. Yeah, the girls. Yeah. In gender equality. However, like everything, there's still a bit to go. Nearly half of the men employed by fitness companies work in leadership roles, while for women, the figure is just 36%. According to the report, men also currently make up 70% of the cohort of gym owners as well. And I don't know, have you, now that you've been thinking about a bit more, have you noticed anything throughout your career? Like something Kevin and I were talking about was like that we've known from other PT friends that females specifically have gone to train a male and they've been like, oh no, I want a guy. Like you couldn't possibly know how to train me. I'd prefer a guy. Like has anything like that ever happened uh, to you? Um, I've been guilty of that. Like you prior to being a PT, yeah. I asked for a male PT. Yeah. Because I'd had a negative experience with a female PT, but that's probably more. Mm, well, yeah. that's fuel for thought. Yeah. Like I said, I was going to be very authentic in yeah. this episode. But now, like you mentioned it, I have worked with a lot more male trainers than I have female trainers. I don't think that that necessarily was a disadvantage to me. And it's not something that I felt disadvantaged in that way. But I definitely have noticed, especially when I was working with F45, we had a more female client base overall. Yeah. However, I did have to work harder to gain respect from some of the male clients that we had. Yeah. And especially the older male clients, the ones that were older than myself. I definitely had to show my value yeah. as a trainer. And that would have been because of both my gender and my age. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of women experienced. And thank you for your honesty about um, asking for a male trainer. I think, you know, that's a result of internalized misogyny, which is an effect of the patriarchy. So sorry to interrupt, but what is misogyny? I don't understand that term. No, that's okay. So misogyny is the dislike of contempt for or ingrained prejudice against women. Okay. And I had that ingrained a lot in of me. A lot of people do. Most people probably do. Uh, it's just like a subconscious thing that you have absorbed like your whole life. These things that you're told are normal. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's mm. not your fault. It's the patriarchy. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. And I guess that was just kind of probably where I was at in my life. The last coach I had and mentor I had was female and I was not even considering that I might want a male Yeah, at that time. But at the time that I did work with the first PT that I worked with or the, the first PT that was good <laughs> that yeah. I worked with, I really did want a man because I felt like that was going to be more beneficial yeah. for some reason. No, well, internalized misogyny. So, I mean, I'm sure lots of people were guilty of doing things like that a, a long time ago. And I think it's probably because you were young and influenced by other people and the media. And But it's just a sign that things are progressing and that's really good. Yeah, I think like now that I'm being reflective of it, I think at the time that I thought training with a man would be more serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or he would be in some way better. So, yeah, that's really interesting. You've given me a lot to think about. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to do with this episode. So I'm really glad. You have already achieved that. Thank you. So as I was just saying, there is a lot that I have learned already um, and I can see that while we are making some steps, there is still a long way to go with this. Can you give me a really brief history of what we have achieved so far with feminism? Yes. So uh, there's so much I could talk about. I could do this all day, but I'm going to give you a really, really brief history of feminism in Australia. So I think the best way to do this is to just break it up into what we call the waves of feminism. Okay. So there are three of these waves of feminism, though some people do say that we're currently living in the fourth. So in the 1900s, we had the first wave with the suffragettes who fought for the right to vote. So prior to that, a lot of people believed that women weren't smart enough to vote. Yeah, wow. I forgot that that was even a thing. Yeah, that was that was the reason women weren't allowed to vote because it was believed that they weren't educated enough to do so. So then in 1894, thanks to the suffragettes, women in Perth were allowed to vote and it went on from there. And are the suffragettes are activism group? Yes. Yeah. Yep, they were an activism group and their main focus was being allowed to vote. Uh, Yeah, so we're allowed to vote in Perth and then it went from there. However, Indigenous Australian women were not granted the right to vote until 1962. That's so fucked. I knew that that was coming up because I remember it being like not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, the first and a lot of the second wave of feminism was predominantly concerned with white women's issues and didn't take into account things like how a person's race, class, sexual orientation and physical ability might impact the way they experience discrimination and oppression. So in another episode later on, we'll break down what's called intersectionality, which is a big part of the third and fourth wave of feminism. And it's essentially the act of acknowledging all the ways that different forms of discrimination interact. So that's definitely something we can cover later because it's a really big thing to break down. Yeah. So first wave feminism had a focus on voting, 
But World War II brought about the second wave. So during the war, women had to fill a lot of the, in inverted commas, male roles. So they worked in factories, they were delivery drivers, they worked in workshops, they kind of did everything. Because the men were at war. Yes. So we just had to. Yeah, so we had to, to keep the economy running. And were we not allowed to before or it just wasn't the done thing yet? I think it was a bit of a mix of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. And obviously, like, women were... We probably did it so much better too. It would (laughs) have been way more efficient. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been. Um, But, yeah, you know, at that time the women's place was at home, in the kitchen, looking after the kids. So it just wouldn't have even been considered that they would be going off to work in factories and whatnot. Uh, So then after the war ended, unfortunately, a lot of the women were relegated back to the home. But then they had had a taste of a little bit of equality and financial freedom and they wanted more. So the second wave from the 1960s to the 1980s focused on things like equality in the workplace, maternity leave, childcare, the pill came about. And so then there was a lot of activism around making that accessible for everyone because when it first came out, it was only prescribed to married women. Do you know what would be a fantastic episode? Yeah. Uh, The timeline slash history of the pill. Yes, I would love to do that. And just like now we're like, Gnell. Yeah, so many issues. And also, like, do you know that the sugar pill, like there's no need for us to have the sugar pill? It was because of the Pope? No. Yeah, it was the Pope enforced that. And obviously we'll get into that in the pill episode, but the Catholic Church was really against the pill, um, especially being allowed, um, like being prescribed to single women because it promoted promiscuity. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So my favorite era of feminism to study is the second wave. And I just love learning all about what the women did in World War II, hence my Rosie Riveter tattoo. It's just, it's riveting. Ah, see what I did there? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get into it more with you because around that time in the second wave, women were allowed into pubs for the first time. What? Yeah. So uh, prior to that, women weren't like there was women lounges okay, in now some pubs. I'm angry. I know. <laughs> I knew that would make you angry. So the third wave of feminism, which is what you and I grew up in. So that's the 1990s to around 2013, focused on things like sexual preference, pleasure and sexuality. They also did a lot of work with intersectionality and really critically reflecting on the first and second wave and how they left a lot of people out of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, marital rape was criminalised across all states and territories. The women of the third wave fought for abortion rights. We had our first female prime minister, Julia Gillard. And for anyone listening that is interested, I highly recommend watching her sexism speech in Parliament. Uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I have heard that speech. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think the full version goes for about 20 minutes and I did listen to that the other night. So Yeah, okay. I haven't. I've probably heard the three-minute cut yeah, down. Yeah, but the whole thing, it's, it's very interesting and makes you very angry. Yeah. So now we're in what a lot of people are calling the fourth wave of feminism. So this was brought about by the Me Too movement and social media activism. Social media has done a lot for the feminist movement because it's a really easy way to share information. Definitely. Yeah. And you've got a lot of celebrities and really influential people out there spreading really important messages. 
So some of the reasons we still need feminism, <clears throat> pockets. I'm confused. Pockets. Most women's clothes don't have pockets. Oh, that's why we get so excited when someone's like, oh, I like your dress and you're like, thanks, it's got pockets. Yeah. So uh, we can go into the whole history of pockets uh, later on or I can pop some links to some articles in the show notes, again, if people are interested. But, yeah, it's like what are we supposed to do, just carry everything? Like why do men have pockets? Like are they? is it because only men drive cars and need to keep their keys in them? Like, yeah, and we have to carry handbags, which yeah. is so annoying. I, I, I don't carry handbags. I'm that girl from that meme that's got a thousand things in her hand. See, I I want to be that person, but I am too forgetful. Yeah. But I didn't own a wallet until like a year ago <laughs> in that I just threw all my things inside of a small handbag. Pockets. Yep. Pockets. Didn't um, see that coming. Yeah, pockets is a big thing, though other things. Uh, not having to pretend to make a phone call when you're walking alone at night or sometimes even during the day. Like the other night I went to Not On Your Rider and I had to park quite far away in the valley and I was alone and I was going to meet my friend. I don't often go places alone at night, but I was so scared to walk in the dark from my car to the venue. I pretended to, well, I mean, I was, I was on the phone to Kev the whole time. And like, what is that going to Ash touched do? on that last episode yeah. with the one AirPod in when she goes for a run. Yeah. So that's my next one is not having to worry about just having oh. one AirPod in just so that you can always hear someone coming. Mm. And I know that that's something a lot of women do. Uh, not having to worry about being too drunk in public. That should not be something we have to worry about, like being so drunk that I mean, someone... there's other reasons to worry <laughs> Definitely. about Definitely. Like you don't want to make a fool of yourself. Yeah. But... Dignity reasons. Yeah. But you should not have to worry about being drunk mm. and that someone's going to take advantage of you. Yeah. I don't think men worry about that. Not at all. Men go out on a night out, they find their way home, they're totally fine. Women go out, you have to make sure that you've got a safe way home. Oh, one of my friends told me that she always sits behind the driver in an Uber because that's the safest place if he was to try and take advantage of her. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I walk with to my even keys. even think about that. Yeah. I walk with my keys in my hand if I'm somewhere just in case like someone approaches me and I can like stab them with my keys. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, that's a habit that I've had since I was like 100% I've done that before. Yeah, so that's a big one. Not feeling the need to celebrate every little victory because it's normal. Just like, like in the Barbie normal. movie yeah. when they were like, ah, oh, thanks, I deserve this. Yeah, yeah. I would love to get to the point where, you know, it's not a big thing because a woman a woman is the prime minister. It's not a big thing because a woman's a president. It's just the, the norm. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm not sure if I agree with this because I'm always like, oh, celebrate, celebrate all everyone. of your things. But Absolutely. I see what you're saying. Yes. So, I mean, like, for example, I was it watching. It doesn't need to be like oh, my God, this is the first, like, even the Matildas, oh, my God, this is the first time, like, it just should be normal. It should just be normal. Just be the same. I can't wait for that. So I was watching the quarterback series on Netflix the other night and Patrick Mahomes was getting his foot worked on and there was a female physio and I was like, oh, my God, it's a female physio. That's so cool. Mm, I've been guilty of that. Yeah, that's a lot. In the AFL being like, oh, there's a female ref. Yeah, or, oh, my God, there's a female manager. Yes, or like, like a female tradie or, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously we want to celebrate each other and be excited for each other's accomplishments, but it shouldn't be because there's such a lack of women in those roles. It should be, yeah, you know, because we're supporting people. <laughs> and obviously the biggest one and the reason we 
still need feminism and we need to keep fighting is so that we feel comfortable as women to enter or end a relationship without fear of violence and death. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love for Magnolia and all the women of the next generation to grow up and not even have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And Fraz was saying that, and I have learned so much in this episode, and Fraz was saying, like, while I'm not thinking about feminism on a large scale, I'm probably doing a lot of positive things through my work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first, not to bring up Kev again, I know I do that a lot, but it's because we have a lot of conversations about this. So when I told him about this episode, he goes, "Um, I'm sure Tegan is doing so much for feminism and for women in general that she would have no idea about. Like out of all the people we know, you are probably doing the most for making women feel good. On a small scale though. Yeah. We all need to do more on a big scale. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, every little bit counts. Everything counts. Like you wanting to be educated by doing this episode counts. Everything counts. Well, I really hope that a lot more people's eyes are opened as a result of this episode. And I really hope that a lot of men listen to this episode as well. Yeah. So as this is our last episode of the season, I thought it would be fun to do a segment that is what has been our biggest takeaway from recording the podcast so far. But then I forgot to prepare anything. Uh, I didn't prepare anything either. Okay, so this is fully off the cuff. Yeah, I was so focused on covering all my feminism stuff. Literally on the way here, I was like, oh, shit, I haven't written anything. But that's okay because yeah, I, I can go off on the flight. Yeah. Um, so I'll go first. Okay, you got something? Yeah, I got something. Okay, I've cool. got a few. It's hard for me to narrow it down. So first of all, um, a really tangible, active thing. I started swimming again. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and that was because of just the podcast, really. It's because I want to have a goal to talk about on here and do something for myself and being inspired by Emmy as well. So that's one of them. And I think my confidence has been boosted so much by you just in general because uh, things like I doubt myself a lot, but I'll I'll do something and I'll be like, oh, I don't know if this is that good. And you're like, it's fucking great. Like, you know, it's just not even like a – and you're not trying to like – you're not even doing it on purpose. I think it's just – Oh, people who know me well and they'll be listening to this, but I don't say things that I I don't mean. That's what someone said that the other day. Very honest. Like yeah. people will say to me, can you give me your honest opinion? <laughs> because they know that they're going to get it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very honest as well, but I um, I probably do sugarcoat things because I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. But that's been really nice. And every time I edit, you're like, oh, my God, that's so good. I can't believe you edited it like that. And I'm like, yeah. And I think that's been one of the biggest things as well, just like your editing skills are genuinely fantastic. Thank like you. sometimes we crack on <laughs> and, and we say, um, or I say aggressive fucks when <laughs> I've messed up the sentence, which I believe is going to come back to haunt me in the future. But the, the way the uh, episodes come together, they're so polished and I get such a genuine kick, which is like so self-absorbed, but <laughs> go off girls out of hearing what you have put together after we've recorded. Because sometimes I feel like I've forgotten what I even said and I'll listen back and be like, I sound really smart. Yeah, Kev said that's a thing <laughs> and on all the podcasts 
podcast he listens to and it's called like post-pod amnesia where you just like completely blank. I know about post-pod anxiety. Yeah, we do But I'm not that. sure about post-pod <laughs> sure amnesia after this episode. Uh, but yeah, just in general, lots of positive things. Everything's positive. I look forward to Fridays. It's like my favorite day now. And just like our friendship, like this has made mm. me so happy Aww. getting to know you more. That's so sweet. Yeah, Mine would be very, very similar. Confidence is definitely a huge one confidence in speaking and I can already see how that's benefiting me in my job as well because I do a lot of zoom calls with my clients and it's just encouraged me to like back myself and back my knowledge a little bit more and don't doubt myself because I always fear and I'm sure that this is something that you felt as well in this episode yeah even though you know something inside and outside I always fear for saying something wrong or someone interpreting it wrong or the way I've interpreted it is wrong and someone to just be like that was wrong yeah 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 but I'm really trying to work on and being like you know back yourself and back your knowledge and that's been really really good um obviously yeah I've really enjoyed Fridays. I have a newfound appreciation for Florence Cafe. (laughs) That's been really positive, but no, it's been absolutely fantastic. Yay. I'm so happy. This is great. Cool. (laughs) Moving on. Okay. Well, guys, that is a wrap on the first season of Bread and Better. We hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed making it for you. So next week we are going to have a bloopers episode for you. I don't know if anybody wants to hear 40 minutes of me going, ah, fuck. (laughs) There's some real goodies in there. There's a lot that have made me laugh and I can't wait to share them with you, Tegan. Anyway, we can't wait to bring you season two. So that'll be the week after next. The week after next. Yeah. Uh, So we would love to continue to grow the pod and in turn educate and inspire more women and men. Uh, So please share this in any way you can. Send the app on to someone who needs to hear it, especially this app being that it is a really important topic and maybe your hubbies need to listen to this app or your brothers, uncles, dads, best mates, mates, not necessarily um, all of us are married because (laughs) I know I'm not, or share it on socials. We look forward to bringing you more conversations that are meaningful and helpful. If you have any ideas you would like us to discuss, please send them through to us via Instagram Messenger. Season one in the bank. Mm -hmm. If you have listened to every episode so far, please send us a message on Instagram and let us know. We would love to hear who our OGs are. But if this is your first listen, we love you just as much. Thank you so much for the season, guys. Thanks, guys. This podcast is brought to you by... Hey, Al. Productions. Productions.